Hey, I want to talk about just the role of Thanksgiving and the, as, as you see on the slide, the power of Thanksgiving. I want to speak to that fairly briefly. I just feel like I just have a, something that's, that has just struck me over the last six months of having conversations with people, especially conversations with people who are walking away from their faith and just, just kind of tracking some of that and, and in listening to them and kind of watching the trajectory of where they're going. Boy, this passage just kept, has kept coming back to mind about kind of the cause and effect of, of Thanksgiving and how significant uh, Thanksgiving is. Not, not the holiday, but just live, being thankful, living a life of thankfulness and staying in touch with how much there is to be thankful for. We'll say that all the time, just kind of routinely, won't we? We have so much to be thankful for. There's a difference between that and just stepping into living thankfully. And being able to tap into what we're talking about, God's goodness, his goodness to you, no matter what the season is, no matter how dark the season seems to be. It just seems that there's a, a, power, a power to that. The, what I kind of want to wrap around this morning is this idea that the thanking God, it blesses him and it protects you. It has a protective element over you and your thinking and your life and your journey. This whole thing of staying thankful and staying positive not just positive, it's way beyond positive, but everyone should be thankful for what we know about God. Everyone should be thankful for what we know about Him. I was writing that down the other day, and it told me we should just be thankful that we can even know God, that, that He's knowable, because there are, there's a brand of religion that will teach you that God is unknowable, that He's just remote, He's far from us, He's too great for us to understand, he's, He is too great for us to understand, but as much as He can, He's revealing Himself to us. So we can, we can know him. He, he wants to be known even beyond that. That's what Christmas is, isn't it? It's, he sends his son so that we can know what he's like. You know, it says in scripture, no one has seen God at any time, but the son of man, he's, he's explained him. That he gives us Jesus and we get to see Jesus talk to people and relate to people and what Jesus can do and what's most important to Jesus. And in all of that, you're learning what God is like. So we, we can know him. And, and everyone that met Jesus was just amazed. In fact, when you read the Gospel of Mark, that's one of Mark's key words. Is people are amazed at what he did. They're amazed at what he said. They're amazed at his authority. They're just amazed that he's not what, he, what they thought God would look like. And some of us, that's kind of our thankfulness, that God is not what we thought he was. You know, depending where you grew up and what religious system you grew up in or no religious system and what you just came up with, it just seemed so, for so many of us that God was a God who was keeping score and could hardly wait till it was time to whack us. That's kind of where, where I lived. That's why, you know, when it, I talk so much about, you know, as I said earlier, that for me, the idea of being forgiven, those of you who grew up Catholic, the idea that you would go to confession, that's why they had attraction to me because I thought, where can I find forgiveness? You know, where can I find someplace where I really know that I've been forgiven. Well, Jesus has made that known to us, that God is not that God that's waiting to just whack us and punish us. He's a God that's going so far away from that that he's given up his only son to pay my punishment so that he won't have to whack me or you. That's the cross. That's this message of you stop trying to be good enough and just accept my goodness and give your life to me. That's salvation. Giving up the works and accepting the grace, accepting the gift that's given to us. So everyone, everyone should be thankful for what we know about God, what you, what you learn about God, what you're reading about him in the word, which is why it's so important to be reading in the word. So you get an accurate representation of 
who God is, what he says, what's important to him, what his plan is, what his role for you is, what he says is right and wrong, all of that comes best from here. I mean, we're going to learn it from testimonies, but we're learning testimonies from imperfect people. And you're going to learn it from your journey about God, but sometimes we misinterpret God according to our journey. So have you ever gotten in that place that God must not love me as much as he loves this person because their journey is so much better. That's misinterpreting. So, so we learn about God different ways, but the best way is here. And what you learn about God here makes you just increasingly thankful. So then I always run into the people that will say, well, what about this guy on the desert island that will never find a Bible and he will never hear about God? If you say everyone should be thankful for what we know about God, what about this person? And this is the person really we meet in Romans chapter 1. So I want you to turn over there with me. I want to read some, some verses that speak not only to the fact that everyone should be thankful, but that does speak to why being thankful protects you. So Romans chapter 1, I want to start in verse 19. Romans 1, if you're newer to the Bible, you're going to have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you're going to have this book, Acts, and then Romans will be right after that. So if you get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you're in the neighborhood. Just keep going a little more. So Romans 1.19, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. He's speaking to people that are irreligious or people that are ungodly. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So they are without excuse. So that, that man out on the desert island that everyone wants to talk about, he has the opportunity to know God in, in what he sees in creation, in just going out there. Who, who hasn't had these kind of moments when you are just out in creation and you step out into something and you just have this sense of, wow, God, this is, you are really something. This is really beautiful. When, when we drove cross country, we mentioned, someone said, you should stop at the Badlands. And I'd never heard of that, but then we saw the sign for it and we went in. That was breathtaking. The Badlands, like a mini Grand Canyon. When you see his eternal power, and his majesty shown in creation, it triggers in everyone an awareness that there has to be a God and, and that this God has done beautiful, wonderful things that we get to live in. And we've unrolled that and, and you know, started to ruin creation in so many ways, but there's a beauty in creation that points to him that leaves the fact that everyone should be thankful for what we know about God because everyone has the opportunity to know God. He's made himself known. He's being aggressive on his side. He sent his son as an aggressive way of taking care of us. But look in the passage and what it says in verse 19. What can be known about God is plain to them. Why is it plain to them? Because God has shown it to them that beyond just there being this creation, that there's a voice inside of people when you get into those moments in a mountain or wherever it is, where God just speaks to people and says, I'm here, this is me. We can drown that out, but God is aggressively, intentionally, and personally doing that. It's plain to them. He's shown it to them. Do you see in verse 20, these, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. That God has put himself out there for people to see. And, and our response to that needs to be thankfulness. We need to have a sense of thanks 
that we get to be in this world, that we get to have this life. I'll go on, I want to go into more in a minute about the specific nature of, of thanks. Do you remember in our generation, we heard so much about Helen Keller, this, this wonderful person who was born blind. She was born deaf and she was born mute. So she couldn't see, couldn't hear, couldn't speak. And this woman, Ann Sullivan, came alongside of her and was hired to be her teacher and just worked and worked and worked with Helen Keller and eventually learned, taught her to communicate through touch. And then eventually, Helen Keller learned to talk. And along the way, it said in her story, it says that Ann, Ann Sullivan started to tell her about God at one point. And Helen Keller says to her, I knew about him. I just didn't know his name. See, everyone knows about him it's just how they respond to how they respond to him and how that plays out everyone should be thankful for what we know about god that's why the psalms and, and the scriptures will just tell us to do this in psalm 29 it says ascribe to the lord o heavenly beings see the psalmist is writing to the angels in heaven ascribe to the lord heavenly beings ascribe to the lord glory and strength and i think he speaks down to us now ascribe to the lord the glory see this line do his name and worship the lord in the splendor of his holiness give him the worship that he's due because he's due worship because of what you see him to be what he has said he what he says he is who he says he is and what he's done in your life they they bring you to a place where you owe him worship it's really one of the significant things of, of, of a Sunday worship service. It's not just, do I feel like going to church on Sunday? It's not just to, you know, am I tired? Am I sore? Is the weather, is the weather kind of crappy? How does that go? It's, we need to go to worship the Lord because he's due this. He's due the honor that we're going to give to him. He's due these songs that the worship team is going to lead us in. For us to say thank you, we owe him that. For us to tell him how faithful he's been and how wonderful he is and how, mu how much we trust Jesus for our salvation, he's do that. And so we come not just because it's Sunday, not because it's good things, but because he, he deserves it. In Revelation, we get a couple glimpses in Revelation into what's going on in heaven. And, and, and you get these glimpses into the worship of heaven. And, and in one place in chapter 4, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and they were created. There's, there's this praise that just goes on in heaven. You are worthy of this. And I was telling you over at Dorman the other day, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I am unworthy of all this thanks. You know, I'll take it, you know, I'll take it for the church and I'll take it into Cindy's shadow, but I'm not worth this. I don't deserve this. God never, ever says that. He never, ever, it's never ever unworthy of him uh, now you're going over the top how do you say that to a god who's created what he's created and done what he's done and, and just shown the mercy and the grace that he's shown us when can you ever say i've given him enough thanks but in the passage it goes on and you're going to see that skipping thankful it will lead to dark places when you skip thankfulness when you skip that 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 uh, stone or that stepping stone will you just stop and say god I just want to let you know I'm so thankful for what you've done. It will take you to a dark place. And one of those reasons is because you're going to miss that line because of what you have done. And you're going to put someone else in there. So I'm going to read, read the whole passage around. I read kind of the middle, the middle of the passage 
where it was. I want to start in verse 18, because in most of our Bibles, that's where the paragraph starts. I want to go down through verse 25. Paul, let me give you a little bit of the backstory of Rome. Paul's never been to Rome. Obviously, it's the center of the world empire at that time. There's a church that's there, and he's, he knows how significant a church in Rome would be. And so he writes the gospel, uh, he writes the letter to the Romans and lays out pretty much the whole Christian faith to make sure they've got it right. And so I always feel like, man, if you read Romans and get Romans, you get the whole picture. You get the picture of why we're guilty before God, why, why working for salvation will never work, why God has provided you know, a substitute for us and how that works, why trying to live this life under your own wisdom and your own strength will never work, how the Holy Spirit helps pull that off. And then, then he takes this break and, and he answers Jewish readers maybe saying, well, whatever happened to Israel? And, and you get these three chapters in Romans where he says, what's God's plan for Israel? And then he comes back and he says, so how do you live in church community? And how do I live with the gifts that God has given to me? And how do I live in, a, in an empire? In a, yeah. <laughs> how do I live in a in a, you know, an immoral, ungodly Roman empire. How do I do that? All these things Paul lays out through Romans. So you're in a section where he's showing everyone's guilty before God. So that's why he says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal God and birds, and mortal man rather, and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Hey, get a sense from Paul how much thanks he lives in that he can't help but talk about God and his authority without ending, ending it with, you know, hey, may he be blessed forever. Amen. There's a couple places in Paul's letters. He'll just do that. He'll just break out into, God, I just got to bless you. I got to praise you, where that is. When you skip thanking God, when you miss that on purpose or just you get carried away and, and you just kind of, he kind of gets shelved somehow in your thinking, it will lead you to a, to a dark place. What, ha what has to happen along the way of that is you start to push down the truth. That's where this goes, where it says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteous men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. I, I'm convinced when people say to me, I, don't, I just don't believe that anymore. They're suppressing what they know is true. Because they, so many people that I've talked to, they've lived and they have experienced Jesus Christ in their lives. And now they're trying they're trying to deny that, and so they're pushing the truth down. They push down so it doesn't speak to them, so it doesn't convict them, so it doesn't get in the way of what they want to do, so it doesn't get, make life so inconvenient. There's a lot of things that are inconvenient about following Jesus Christ. It's true. It's just that we, can, we consider those inconveniences to be worth it. 
You know, Paul says in Philippians, doesn't he? I've considered everything loss so that I could gain Jesus. So all of those things, you want to believe, you want to validate your sin, you want to validate your goals, you want to validate yourself, you, you push the truth down, you suppress the truth. People that say, that say that they're atheists, somewhere along the line, they've suppressed the truth that God is there. You know, I, I believe you can grow up in an atheist home and that's never made real to you and you never think of that, but I believe we're, we are born with a God awareness I think it says to me here that creation is speaking out that there is a God and so is your heart when you, when you cross lines and your heart convicts you even of things you've never been taught. That's the presence of God that's being supp suppressed. When you stop being thankful, when you skip thankfulness, you're suppressing the truth that every good thing you have comes from God. As I mentioned the other night, uh, in Corinthians, this verse from Corinthians has kind of been playing in my mind over the last several weeks. For what do you have that you have not received? If you can live in that, then you're constantly thankful for what you have. The, the trap that most of us get stuck in as followers of Jesus is that we're thankful. We just wish we could be more thankful if, if Jesus would just show up now in our, in our story or in our situation, if he would just make things right or make things go away or make people go away or change health or whatever it is, if he would just do that now, then I would be really thankful. But waiting to be really thankful robs you of the thankfulness right now. And it somehow pushes down the truth that, that God is as for you as he is for other people or that there is good in your life that's worth being embraced right now. It's going to lead you to a dark place, and it's going to start with pushing down the truth. Then it's going to move to pushing God to the side. We've been, I was reading in one commentary, it says, we've been, we've been uh, created, let me grab that just so that I don't misquote this, it says, humans are religious beings. If they refuse to let God have the place of preeminence that is rightfully his, then they will put something or someone in God's place. Somebody is going to play the role of God in your story. It's either going to be God or it's going to be someone else. When you talk to people that, that talk about how they're self-made and how nobody ever helped them and they've done all of this on their own, they've put themselves in the role of God in their story. When you listen to people, we had a testimony the other night at Road to Recovery. When you listen to people and they say they were willing to follow Jesus in these things that he said, but not these things that he said, you've played the role of God in your life and you've made Jesus advisor. You know, when, he gets to, when you get to decide, that I'll do, this is too hard, this isn't really, I don't believe this will take me where I want to go, you have pushed God to the side and now you are playing the role of God in your life. People that have been in abusive relationships, it seems like that, that abuser, they had to be playing the role of God in, their, in, in the person's life, in that man or woman's life. Because they... They yielded to them, they feared them, they had control over them, that they were allowing that person to play the role of God in their lives. Man, if you're crazy at work and, and you're sacrificing way too much for work and goals, then, then that's taking the place of God in your life. It's very easy. It's not just people that are godless that are pushing God to the side. It's a challenge for each of us to, to keep God in his role and if God is in his role, then I'm going to stay thankful because I realize every good thing is from him. Every bad thing, I think that was, that was Roy had that part of his testimony, some, someone else did too. Every dark thing, every trying thing, he's, 
you have confidence. He's going to get you through that. There's a thankfulness that he's going to see you through that. There's a thankfulness that there's a purpose for it. If you keep God in his role in your life, there's going to be thankfulness. But if your life becomes about you, you narrow your life down to what it could be when you play the role of God in your life, when you get to decide, sign off on what God has said or what I say or you know, if, I'm, if what I'm speaking is accurately scriptural. If you, if you get to decide whether you're going to believe that or not, boy, you're playing that role and you're moving him to the side and your life's going to get so narrow, it's just going to be about you. I remember hearing somebody say one time, the life that's wrapped up in itself makes a very small package. <laughs> think about that. Because you think about what the life that God has invited you into. God has invited you to share in his mission as he, as he is working to save the world and set it up for the kingdom that his son is going to come back and establish. That's what he's inviting you into. He's inviting you into changing people's forever. He's inviting you into experience Jesus Christ in a life you could never bring to yourself. That's what he's inviting you to if he gets to play the role of God in your life. And how much narrower is it when we say, but God, this is what I'd like to do. We just narrow it down and make it smaller. And so we end up pushing, we end up pushing him to the side. So you're pushing the truth down, you're pushing him to the side, and then you find out in this passage that God pushes back, that he, he, never, he never just allows that to happen, that he pushes, he pushes us back as a way of trying to bring us back to him. People that are far from him, people that are walking away from him, there's a pushback in their life, and they wonder, well, why is God doing this to me? He's doing this to you to try to bring, him, bring you back to him. That's, isn't that the point of the prodigal son? Boy, his life just went south, and when his life went south, he realized he needed to go back home. But it wasn't until his life went south that he realized he had to go back home. And so God starts to push back, and, and you see that in this passage. You see, watch what begins to happen. It says, you know, that they suppress the truth. And so you get this sense in verse, 22, or in verse 21, they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. God begins to push back now. You're either going to respond to what's going on in your life with honor and thanks to God or, or not. And when you don't, that leads you into these dark places. Now your thinking becomes futile. It becomes empty. It, becomes, it doesn't connect. It's not significant. It, it's not worthy. You think of some of the thinking that we're being asked to sign on to, it, it, even in our own country. We're being asked to sign on to the fact that it's all right to end a child's life just before or just after it's born. That somehow that makes sense in this culture. That's crazy. We're being asked, we're being told to, uh, of different priorities that just don't add up. We're being told that this book is too old and, and that it really, shouldn't be, it really shouldn't apply to life now and in 2020 as we come to that, that this is old truth. It's not relevant truth. That when you skip thankfulness, that God's pushback is just to begin to allow you to move forward without him. And when you move forward without him, your, your thinking starts to become empty. He goes on and says, your heart becomes dark and their foolish hearts were darkened. The, the passions and, and the loves that we were supposed to have in our hearts just naturally, they, things just start to go, go wrong with those. Things start to unravel with that. And out of something like that, we start to hear stories of child abuse. Why is that? Because a parent's heart is supposed to be for the health 
and the welfare of their child and for the child's goodness. When you start abusing a child, something in your heart has gone definitely wrong. Something in your thinking has gone wrong. When, you, when you're in a committed relationship with someone, with a man, you know, with your wife or with your husband in a relationship in which you're both supposed to be committed to each other's growth and security and safety and experience love together, and yet spousal abuse becomes a reality, something wrong has gone, something wrong has happened in the heart, that the heart has become darkened. It's hard enough to do that just as a follower of Jesus, isn't it? But now you're pushing, you're pushing God to the side and trying to think right and trying to have your heart right. And so you have women exploiting men, men exploiting women just in, in normal life. Why is that? Because their hearts have become darkened. And there's a chasing for, for love and security. There's a chasing for significance. There's a chasing just to use and control. There are all those things that are going wrong in our hearts because we've skipped thankfulness. We've skipped seeing God and responding to who he's revealing himself to be, being thankful that he's there and submitting to his role. And when those things happen, here's the pushback. God just allows the minds to start to, to think on without him. He allows hearts to go dark. This is what he says when Paul writes to the, the Ephesians. They're in a tough city. Most of the letters we get, those are written to tough cities to follow Jesus in. He says to them, I, this I say and testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And Gentiles were symbolic of people that didn't have God. They were irreligious. They walk in the futility of their minds and they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Do you see how he, he will loop around to their mind and their heart and he will speak in terms of them being darkened. That's just, that's just life without God. That's just moving away. So you have their minds, you have their hearts, and then in verse 24, it makes their way to, to, to their bodies. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. That, that when you skip thanksgiving, when you skip being thankful, and you push God to the side, and, and, he, and you become the center, your, your thinking's going to start to become empty, your heart's going to start to go dark, and you, your, your body, things are just going to be unloosed physically. That's what we're watching in the culture, isn't it? It's craziness, what's going on in the culture. It's craziness, and, and it seems as crazier as the world gets, the more we get labeled for being crazy. It just seems crazy at the end of it, doesn't it? Christian, the, our, our approach to human sexuality is that his, sexuality is this wonderful gift that God has given to us to experience. You know, when, we're, when I'm doing premarital counseling, we're talking about that. I say, boy, this is supposed to be fun and exciting and protected. And it's supposed to be the place in, on earth, in the relationship on earth, where you feel the most secure and the most loved and the most honored of in, in any other moment or relationship that you're going to have. That's how God views this thing. It's, it's good. He wants it within a committed relationship between a man and a woman so that there's this sense of safety and security that you have. That, that this person that you love isn't going to take this anywhere else but to you. That this person that you love is never going to compare you to anyone else except to yourself. That this person isn't going to, isn't going to use you and leave you. 
there's that security that God des designed to be built into this. That is the best sexual experience, when someone's heart is for you and to protect you. That is far from what we're seeing in the culture, what the culture is, and we're, we're seeing people that are incredibly damaged because that's the route that life has taken them, or that's the route that they have taken, and that's the lie that they have bought into, that it can be more a sense of showing what kind of man you can be, or how attractive you are, or trying to grasp value, or trying to trying to desperately get someone to love you in some form that will give you a sense of being loved. That's the unraveling that takes place. And somehow, skipping thankful is what leads us down there. God, I, th I thank you that this is who you've made me to be. I thank you that you love me, that I don't need another person. Don't you appreciate what Annie's sign said? That there's just one person that you need to please. And there's one person that's, that's pleased with you when you follow him. That's all you have to do is follow him, and he's pleased with you. You know, that there's one person who's fearfully and wonderfully made you, and that the way you are brings him glory and pleasure. And he looks at heaven, and he looks at how, you're, how you've been put together, short, tall, athletic, not athletic, all those things we fill in, the, fill in the blank with. He looks at how he's made you, and he loves it. That's how he wanted you to be. He doesn't want you to have to go through experiences to try to validate that you have worth because you have incredible worth in heaven. And he's looking for you just to live thankful for, for that. If you stay thankful for that, it's going to be protective for you. Do you see why, why this thing is kept, has brought me down to this? That, boy, being thankful, it blesses God and it protects you. It will protect you because it will keep you in a place of just following this God who's been so good to you. And so that's, you know, we're coming into Thanksgiving. Everybody's going to be Thanksgiving on their mind. I remember there have been some Thanksgivings where, you know, we'll say, and it's tough living as a pastor. I want to just say that because everybody always sees you as the pastor. You know, we went to someone's house for dinner Friday, and guess who prayed for the meal? Because I always have to pray for the meal because I'm a pastor. It's like... It's like, you know, the meal is more blessed if I pray. It's not. It's not. I hate to tell you that. Hope that doesn't affect your offering, but it's not more if I pray. Yeah. That's why, you know, if we have birthday cake ever after service, just anybody pray. You don't have to wait for Pastor Ted and I to get out there to pray or the cake is not going to taste as good. It's not that. So, yeah, wherever I go, I'm a pastor. It was very hard when I first became a pastor with my brother's. You know, because then, oh, here's the pastor. If I would, we'd have a family discussion going on. When I started to speak, I was no longer Jeff. I was the pastor. That stunk, and they've gotten past that. So one Thanksgiving, you know, we wanted to do the thing of, hey, let's just go around and say something we're thankful for. And somehow that got hung up on, here's the pastor. It wasn't, here's the pastor. It's, here's Thanksgiving. Can we, can we try a little Thanksgiving before the football, you know, before that goes in? And even it, as believers, that can get weird. At your tables, if you do that, hey, let's just say something we're thankful for, it's going to be weird for somebody. And that somebody is skipping thankful. You know, that's why, that's why, this, becomes, that's why this becomes so significant, that being thankful, it blesses God, and it protects you. It protects you. That needs to be a check that you constantly do on yourself. How am I doing? Am I thankful, God? If I thank you for what's going on? Hey, I was just complaining about this, God. I want to move to thank you for the fact that you're going to use it for good. You give me permission to tell you, please end it right now. 
but you promised me you're going you're gonna to use it for good, so thank you. Thank you for bringing this person in my life. They are driving me nuts. But you brought them here, and you've got a limit on what you're going to allow them to do to me, or you're going to give me wisdom on how to relate to them. Thank you for that, Lord. If you can turn everything to thanks, that's going to bless God. It's going to protect you. That's why Scripture will tell you. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians, that was a city he only got to be in for at the most three weeks before they drove him out. But he says, listen, in everything, give thanks because this is God's will for you and it will protect you. So let me pray. The worship team's going to come up and just close us out on this, this great song of just thank you, walking us through. Thank you for what you've done for us. Father, thank you. We really need your help, Holy Spirit. In a way, it's embarrassing to even say that. We need your help to just help us be aware and in tune with just how thankful we, we owe you for how much you're doing in our lives to show us places in your lives where we feel like you are far, far away, but you're so close. So do that, Holy Spirit. I pray this afternoon in all of our experiences, we would just have an increased awareness of your goodness and of your presence, of your promise, of the people that you've placed around us, all of those things, so that those things would dominate the moment and not the, the bad. There are people for whom this season is such a dark, scary season. I just want to lift them up, Lord, that you're, you're not going to abandon them. You can't, it's not, that's not you. That you have a good that you're going to see them through. You're going to be their defender. You're going to be, you're going to be their protector. So I pray you give them wisdom to know where the path is and and who the people are that you're going to surround them with. God, we're just so thankful to belong to you. We're so thankful that you're you and not some other kind of God. We're so thankful that you talk to, talk to us and use words like forever and ever and ever. So we bless your name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. You know, if you've not given your life to Jesus, you've kind of heard the, you've heard the gospel story. What a great Sunday. What a great day to just, between you and God, say, God, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore on my own. You know, I want to give myself to you. I want Jesus to save me and forgive me for what he's done. It'd be a great day to do that. We'll have the prayer team come up, and they're available after service, after we sing of our thanks to God.
30 it says sing praises to the Lord O you his saints and give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime weeping may tarry for the night but joy comes with the morning now Lord so we just want you to know we love you we're so thankful just stir up our awareness of how much we have from you how good you've been to us and how good you promised to be Help us to be good to each other through those dark seasons. That's what we pray to the glory of the name of Jesus. 